0: Welcome back to the E6 Podcast from Colonial Church, a place for candid conversations about what our church community is learning, what's going on in the world, and how all of it applies to our lives. As followers of Jesus, my name is Brooke. This is episode number
1: 34. Lauren Jones is with me today. How you doing? How you doing, man? I'm good. I I almost said, can I say good morning? Good morning. You lose all sense of time when you're recording something. That's right. When I listen to this at midnight in a couple of days... (laughs) It's gonna, good morning. Good morning. It's
0: it's like we talk about church. Okay, when you get up on stage and don't say this. Yes. Especially when we were when we were like broadcasting to a, a different location in in years past. Like yeah. I was always like stop saying that. Just say today. That's it. Just today. <laughs> so I came prepared. Um, but first uh, first uh, episode thirty three. I realized that was um, last week. I oh, know it was last week. So so this is thirty four. But I came prepared today in case you were gonna throw out 34 your is your favorite. Easy. I know thirty four is so easy, and I didn't realize how easy it was. <laughs> and I was like, "Wait, oh, here's a really long list." But I missed one last week. Okay, that I just totally slipped my mind. And it's a shout out to Rick Farson, who likes hockey. But Patrick Wah, ooh, um, thirty-three, or Roy,
1: if you don't know how to announce yes, pronounce his it's, name. It's Wah. I lived. Wah. I lived in Denver in the late '90s when the Avalanche were awesome. And I'm not even a hockey fan. But shout out to Rick Farson and uh-huh. other hockey fans. They were awesome. Patrick Waugh was I totally, the man. I totally
0: jumped on the Avalanche bandwagon. Did you really? I did, yes. When I was when I would watch hockey. It wasn't like I mean, it wasn't like I would wager time, But I loved like he he was the he was like he never blinked. He was awesome. He played for the for the US uh for the US team. Um and it was just he was he was amazing. I loved Patrick Waugh. And I didn't even realize in the moment last week that he was that he was at thirty three and uh, I totally blew that. So
1: so yeah, Patrick Wall. Okay, well it's here thirty four. Thirty four. I don't know that we need to do this every week, but
0: I know. But it was just you—you you caught me by surprise last week, and I wasn't ready. I but. got a couple that are just okay. Let quick. me let me hear let me hear your quick ones. Sweetness. Then. Okay.
1: The greatest running back I would think of all time. The Walt- first one on my list, Walter Payton, Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Chicago Bears, yeah. and then um, I mean, I'm not a UT fan. Okay. But I did live in Houston for a long time. But uh, but the Dreads. Wait, what? No, nope. no, no, no. I'm dating myself. Okay. Oh my gosh. No, okay. I know who, I know who you're talking about. <laughs> no, I'm talking about I'm talking about the bet the best Texas mm-hmm. running back of all time. Okay. Better than and I'm i d- I'm forgetting who you're Ricky. gonna Ricky. Better Ricky than Ricky Williams. Williams. Earl Campbell. Earl Campbell. You thir- are dating thir- yourself there. Thirty four. He was twenty at U T, but he was thirty four for the Houston Oilers for a long time. Okay. Oh, well, actually not he had a short career, not for a long time. Okay. Just ran over everybody until what about, he couldn't walk. What about Houston Rockets? As a as a Rockets fan, Hakeem the dream.
0: <laughs> I thought about uh, uh, Charles Barkley, Ooh. Bo Jackson,
1: Bo Jackson. I know Bo Jackson. There's a lot was of thirty fours. I love Bo Jackson. It nice. was fun.
0: The baseball, the the bats and the shoulder pads, and snapping the bats yes. when he when he struck out. Like all yes. oh, that was that was so. He fun. was a phenom. Uh, Herschel Walker, uh, Nolan Ryan. One of my favorite. One of my fa- So I went to I went to Oklahoma State, right? Uh, for, for school, yeah, in, in college, and but I was, but I've always been an Oklahoma fan, right? Right, and so anytime something would happen for Oklahoma State that wasn't good, like sports-wise, like it's just one of those, like I relish in those kinds of things, <laughs> and um, and I don't mean like like terrible things, but like so, Robin Ventura was a baseball oh. player that was a stud at Oklahoma State, and he went, and there was this one game, and I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. I know exactly and what he's talking about. He, he <laughs> one of the most
1: epic. <laughs> 30 seconds in sports history.
0: And uh, so he didn't like the pitch that Nolan Ryan threw at him, and so he (laughs) charged the mound. And he got up there, and old man Nolan just... Headlocks this dude. Well, he his, just, I think it was his left arm yes. is around his neck, and he just starts and just starts pounding, pounding him it. with his right fist. Oh
1: my gosh, it was so. so I've never funny. seen anything like that.
0: I don't think I've ever seen like a, a, no. a fight that was that lopsided,
1: especially
0: when you're charging the mound. Yes. And I was For, just... forgive us.
1: It sounds like we're loving <laughs> the violence, but you had that moment of him taking out Robin Ventura. Yeah. to the no hitters. Oh, the, yeah. the 102 mile an hour fastballs. Yeah. This is why he's, you know, top five pitchers of all time. Curt Schilling's bloody ankle is nothing compared to Nolan Ryan. I didn't know he was 34. I don't remember baseball numbers very well. Yeah, Because it's such a small part of the game. Yeah. With football, there's huge numbers. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm sorry we distracted (laughs) two weeks in a row. You know, in fairness, (laughs) we're going to get to 35 and 38 and, like, it's going to be hard pressed to come up with some. Who's your favorite player at number 68? Yes, yes. Jordan White. I got nothing. Was Jordan White 68? I don't have any idea. I'll have to find out. He just has a
0: neck that tells me. Mississippi State Bulldogs. I bet he
1: was, I'm going to predict he was 48. Okay. He was a linebacker. Okay. We'll have to ask Pastor Jordan what number he was.
0: How you feeling? Uh, We have football season is kicking off. I know we talked about sports,
1: but. You know what? I know know that politics makes some people go, I'm done with the NFL and, I know that now that we're paying college athletes and OU and UT are defecting from the Big 12. And yes, there's are. all kinds of like reasons to <laughs> find the excuse to not get excited about football season. And one, I played when I was a kid. So I think I'll always be a huge fan. Yeah. And two, it's my favorite time of year. We've talked about this last week. I, I am so excited about football season. Yeah. Thank God for a DVR. Because it <laughs> saves my marriage. Because I can tell my wife, "Hey, we can do whatever you want today. Let's do some yeah. chores. Let's go have some fun." Because I know I'm recording a game. Yeah, you know. Do you well, know I
0: have not had that benefit for? I don't know how you. I don't know how you enjoy probably, sports. Probably
1: a decade. I don't know how you. Well, I, th- I know how you do it. Actually, you're a good husband, and you just miss the games. <laughs> I just miss the games. I, r- I, I respect pushed, that. I get push notifications, notifications that. for our listeners who are, are addicts out there. You got to say <laughs> you got to make your spouse number one. You yeah. got to make your kids number one. That's why my DVR is so that's so why, important. That's to why me. the DVR. Because I can love the people around me well, and uh, I'll just I'll just stay up a little later yeah. and enjoy. I'm some, like no 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 no. Football. I'll totally fold this laundry right here in front of the television. I can totally <laughs> do that. That's good.
0: Yeah, that's yeah, good. Yeah. All right. So we have a lot of things to cover today. We're going to get into a bunch of stuff. We're we going do to talk have several about things. Yeah. We're going to talk about Acts two from the weekend and um, and also our, our special giving opportunity that we talked about on Sunday. So um, so we'll, we'll we'll get to those things. But um, but as we as we tra- transition from sports and dive into something a little a little bit uh, more serious here, um, recently I was listening to a podcast interview of Josh Harris. Mm. Um, and if you don't know who Josh Harris is, this is a guy who, um, back in, I think the nineties wrote, Late 90s. I, I kiss dating goodbye, um, huge and seller of books, right? Like, I, like yeah. millions and millions of copies. And if you are, what, what would you say? If that, you're probably over the age of 30 and you don't know, I kiss dating goodbye as a book, maybe. 35, maybe, yeah, maybe. Then, I, then you you probably didn't grow up in church. Yeah. Um, so I was I was listening to this interview and and so he has apparently um, he's gotten divorced. He has. Um, stopped being a pastor from his church and is leaving at least the evangelical tra-
1: uh, tradition now now saying I no longer identify as a Christian. Hmm. It's been a the so, arc of his story is I just I'm, I'm curious of your perspective like
0: how do we take things like this and I know we've we've kind of alluded to um the the celebrity culture of of at least evangelicalism or American Christianity yeah. with yeah. with people like uh uh, Robbie Zacharias or Bill Hybels or, or Driscoll or any number of other moral failures names that we could yeah. throw out there. Yeah. Um, you know, I think of other, uh, other people in, um, um, Carl Lentz and, uh, uh, oh, another guy's name. It doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> how do we, uh, how do we
1: take this when, I mean, that's the, I don't it's, know. What's your, what's your perspective on, on what's going on with Josh? Well, yeah, I'm glad we're talking at least briefly about Josh Harris. I don't know how many of our listeners—I'll bet a bunch of our listeners—have either read the book "I Kiss Dating Goodbye" back in the day, mm-hmm. um, or have heard it spoken about, taught, um, maybe even been at Christian events, you know, yeah. conferences, concerts, etc., where where Josh Harris was a guest. He was that he was a he was a huge influence for a couple decades. Um, and the gist of it, do you feel comfortable? What, what what do you what would you say is the gist of his book, uh, or the gist of what uh, what was the premise of I Can Dating Goodbye?
0: Well, just to be to be fully honest, um, that was a big deal when I was in high school. Yeah, um, I I graduated high school in '99, so
1: uh, so right So that was right in, right in was the in, in the and in I the, was a youth pastor, so I was on the other side of that. Yeah reading that book, talking about it with people. Right. And there was Um, a study
0: guide that went along with it. And I know like my wife and I've had this conversation and that was a big deal in her church when she was growing up. Um, I never read the book. I think it was one of those like my I don't I don't want to throw my parents under the bus cuz I I'm speculating at this point but probably was was said, "Hey, you should read this book." Yeah. And I was not not interested in reading books because that was it, it, you had to sit still and yeah. until audiobooks became a thing, I did not care. Yeah. Um I wasn't going to listen to books on tape if you want to go back back in the day, but so I, I don't know that I've ever actually I don't think I've ever read the book, yeah. but um, I, I guess the the idea was, or at least what I've understood, is that um, that the purity is is the ideal, and dating uh, in in the ways that um, that the culture, at least at the time, understood dating was was not healthy, and there should be courtship, and your parents should be involved in choosing who uh, who this person is
1: for mm. you and how well that works out. Like that's that's kind of the understanding that I've got. Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're, you're not far off at all. I, th- I think the, I, I haven't, in fairness, I haven't read it in years, but I have read it. Uh, the gist of it, my understanding is 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 that, and I want to include a little bit of, of what we know about him to, to make my point. It was written by a teenager. Uh, he wasn't quite 20 when he wrote it uh, about dating and even marriage <laughs> uh, as a single guy, which, which <laughs> as a homeschool single guy which is amazing that we would give it such credence, but, but he spoke with, with great conviction and very effectively about how, uh, purity is what God wants and that there, we shouldn't be dating. That's why he said, I kiss dating goodbye and that you should finally only court when you're ready to marry this person. Um, and I, I would say it's not from the scriptures. Uh, but, mm. but it came across with such great authority and the purity movement, true love weights and other things like that were so big at the time that this was just embraced and the thing that 's coming out now is we 're just recognizing man why, why we 've even talked about it on the podcast I think early on this year who are we listening to you mm-hmm. know who are we reading yeah, yeah. who are we listening to who are we letting influence us and at that time there, there's a couple decades where we 're letting a young untrained, very little life experience person yeah, influence us in this incredibly difficult area of life. And so his, his book sold by the millions, I'm not exaggerating. And then without ever going to college, Bible college or anything like it, without ever going to seminary, he became the lead pastor in his twenties mm. of a huge church, huge church. Uh, and a leader and an influencer of people because he was gifted because he was charismatic because he was passionate and who sold millions of copies. And he'd already sold millions of copies of books and spoken <laughs> at conferences. And, um, at some level, we shouldn't be surprised yeah. that his marriage fell apart. We don't know why we don't know details. I'm not here to blame anybody, but we don't know details of, of, of why, but it fell apart. He got divorced and now he has said, I don't identify as a Christian. I'm questioning everything. Hmm. Um, and so it brings up a couple questions I, I think it's worth saying hey the evangelical world right now is talking about josh harris yeah. in the last couple of years uh he got recently interviewed by same podcast i listened to that uh, you listened to that was just fascinating he's really honest about some things and um the interviewer i think asked some hard questions uh but he's been one of those big influences as we talk about rabbi zach rabbi zacharias you know fallen as we talk about bill heibel's fallen this was not necessarily a moral failure in some kind of scandalous way but it's troubling it raises the question okay a why do we let certain people influence us so so significantly Mm -hmm. um b can you lose your salvation can you can you I, I feel strongly about this, that the scripture says that God never lets us out of his hand. There, there's multiple passages that talk about uh, what we believe that the short phrase is once saved, always saved, but it does raise very troubling questions. How does this person claim to love Jesus be so passionately uh, following Jesus and then leading a local church for many, many years, and then get to a point later in life to say, I don't know if I believe this. It hmm. does raise those hard questions that I think are important conversations for us to have in the church. So those are the big things we could, we could talk about the purity movement, right? (laughs) We could talk about, um, mega churches and things like that. There's other, other nuances to the story. I will say, um, one practical application that, that jumped out to me in kind of watching what's happened to Josh Harris that I can't take credit for. Um, Sky Jitani, a, a a guy I like to listen to and, and respect. He said, it really makes me want to encourage people to read dead people, mm. um, and what he meant by that is, okay, yeah, you can you can go ahead and read a new book written by an author who's alive now, who's who's living it now, but maybe for every one of those kind of books, read two, three, four books that are written by someone who's long gone, mm. whose whose work has been studied, whose lives have been studied, for the fruit and the maturity and the wisdom. And there's something mean, there's something to be said about that, because case in point, teenager writes a book on courtship and dating and marriage.
0: I mean, I was <laughs> honestly with I no was... training.
1: And we we just bought it. I was
0: shocked when I was listening to this interview because I didn't know yeah. I didn't know any of that. Yeah. All I knew was this is a leader who wrote this book and this is an important well, thing and you, and you need to but read. But you this were book a teenager, and, and, right? Exactly. But and people like me, youth pastors, were going. Everybody should read this, you right? Know? So, so my wife is an author, and I think about the times that she and I have had conversations of like, oh man, what if we, what if we wrote a book about like m- about marriage? And I'm like. Well, that was, we, we've been married, what, 13, I think 13 years now? I forget. Um, yeah, 13 years. And it's like, this was this was years ago. <laughs> and we was, only when you, when have you, 13 years. And this was years ago. It was like, hey, this would be a great idea. We could totally write this book, like, as we're going through, oh, man, parenting. Like, we could write a book about parenting. I'm like, and then we come to our senses, like, we don't know what we're doing. Yeah. We're just still trying to figure this yeah. out. Like, and, and to... to I was shocked when I when I found out that oh he was he was literally a teenager
1: yeah. when he wrote this book that we then just latched onto which which is tough because it it doesn't mean you didn't have anything to say like for example sure, I would argue sure, yeah, the right. couple who's been married 2 years is very different than the couple who's been married 13 years right uh, just like the couple who's been married 13 years is different than the cur- couple who's been married 43 years like I love to hear Ron Downing talk about the way he and Cheryl still court each other and the the stuff they've learned, he's got credibility. But the other thing I want to say is that doesn't mean young people don't have a voice. Absolutely. It doesn't mean... Less experienced people don't have something to share. We just need to take it in that context, right? But there was you know?
0: no, there was none of that context. No, it was it, wasn't.
1: it was a. This is the authority was, on it how was, you should date. This is what the dating. Bible says. Yes. It was dangerous. That's you know? what. That's
0: why I'm like. That's what yeah. gets me so crazy about yeah. it, is it's not. It wasn't like a. Hey, there's this kid that wrote this book, yeah. and it's it's interesting. Like, what if you you know take a look at it, or or let's let's talk about it, or yeah. something. It was a. It was a no. This is this is the way to date. Like. Yeah. I kiss dating goodbye. This is this is the option. This is what you should be doing as a Christ follower. And you and so know what? It's, go
1: for it. It's done a lot of damage. Yeah. It's done a lot of damage. That's yeah. that's the most disheartening part about it for me. Well, I'm mm. glad you I'm glad you brought him up. Um, it is it is one of those things within the Christian subculture that's being talked about a lot these days. Um but Yeah. Well
0: So this weekend, yes, we talked about Acts. Acts two. Um, and, uh, and, and so, so last weekend we talked about, uh, the the beginning Pentecost and, uh, the, the Holy Spirit coming in and speaking through Peter to all of the people. And then now we're picking up, um, picking up after that, where we have lots and lots of people. And, um, I, I really liked your, your key questions, right? So who, who came together? Why did they do that? Um, uh what did they do? And, and I think I said those out of order and how, how they came together. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so I, I thought that was the, the, the togetherness, um, mm. perspective, um, or, or, or just, just the, the, the statement of this is what it was. They yeah. were together. Yeah. Um, you asked, a you asked a question, um, you know, how together is our country? Right. Right. How together are we right now?
1: What, which was a little bit of a, a punk, <laughs> Rhetorical question? Because I think I think we all agree, but that stood out how, to me how divi- like... divided our country is. Right? Um, yeah, yeah. I, I I think I think that's the hope, the positive, the positive of the of the passage we looked at is so beautiful. It's the picture. Um, it's a picture of the early church. I think that we glamorize the the early church a lot. Right? Oh, they were so perfect. Of they course. just loved each other. and sure. shared everything. But we, we know better. We, we keep reading the letters that Paul wrote to all these different new churches, and they were a hot mess in different ways. <laughs> um, but this, this first, this, this initial picture that we get at the end of Acts chapter 2 of what happened after all these people repented, all these people turned to Jesus, is they came together. They came together and loved each other well. They learned together, they, they worshiped together, they shared all their stuff um they met each other's needs all around them yeah. and 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 the picture is every day every day every day uh we we come together once a week for an hour or more realistically we come together once every you know month for yeah. an hour yeah. and wonder why you know i don't know about this christianity thing it doesn't feel that different yeah cuz we're not doing it we're not doing it you know uh,
0: well, I, you said you said it wasn't something that they did together wasn't something they did it was something they that they were yes Yes, that's, I re- a, that's a huge distinction. Yes. I think about growing up in the church, and in a lot of ways, it wasn't just something we did, it was who we were, because we were in the church. We were in the choir, and yep. behind the scenes, and in youth group, and on Sunday night, and Wednesday night meals. You know, it was literally like four or five times a week, like, this is what we did. And my yeah. parents actually, I thought they they were a great example of having a... Um, a, a, a a community of families that they did life with yep. and they did for years like my literally my dad is is uh he he sent me a picture this week of a whole bunch of salmon that uh, I think it was salmon I don't know it was a bunch of fish I don't know any difference they're all fish but he and he and one of these guys who they were in they were in church together their families are are their their kids which is us all grew up together and started having babies and all those kinds of stuff but like all these families and and he's still my dad 73 and they were they were this this is what they were doing they were doing life together and and it seems like it's it's you know instead of being just something that we do on a on an occasional basis you know once a month or or twice a month or maybe even we go more
1: often than that but it's it's more than just sundays it was something that they were yeah yeah for sure i think the communal aspect of the church for a lot of people i think especially in the west especially in in our culture here has been lost you know um, and, and togetherness just jumps off the page to me when, when I read the, the last part of acts two, they were together. And, and I, I said this, uh, in our services, you know, it was a sign of life. Um, we talked about how, you know, a baby crying is not a problem, right? And it's not something you taught them to do. It's, it's what, what's the first sound you hope you hear? after new birth, yeah, your hope, 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 Uh (gasps) there's the cry. Yes. It's a sign of life. It's a, it's a scary moment if that is not happening happening. right after birth. And and I would say the same thing about togetherness in the church. Mm. If, if it's me and Jesus in the corner, that's not a sign of life. Uh, I think a true sign of life is that we can't get enough of each other because we are, we are attracted to the Holy Spirit in each other. We are drawn to other people chasing after him together. And chasing after his ways, um, so I. Well, and I think it's important
0: that you said, like, uh, as you as you you talked about a minute ago, like poking the, the 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 jab of how how together is our country. That it's it's super easy that two thousand years later we look at the early church and 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 we say, oh yeah, man, but they just came together and it was great, and and we we have this maybe it's just implied or we just don't even think about it, but that it's easy because they were all together and they had everything in common and all of that kind of stuff. And um, even, even one of the, one of the verses said that they had a, all things in common, but I think we take that out of context to say like, Oh, they all lived on the same circle on the same block and they all liked football and they, they all, did, dre- you know, they dress dressed dress the, the same. same, they liked the same <laughs> food, you know? And, and so we don't, we don't think about that they didn't have everything in common, that they were incredibly
1: diverse. Yeah. And uh, they... They had literally come from all over the Roman Empire. Right. They had Judaism in common. That's what led them together for the Festival of Feasts um, or the Feast of Weeks. But they they were not... They spoke different languages. Right. They they had different customs. They wore different clothes. They were probably different shades yeah. of skin color. And, and yet... The next thing we read after 3,000 plus come to Christ is they're all in each other's faces, like constantly, every day, in each other's (laughs) homes, sharing meals, sharing stuff with each other. And I I think I said this to you before we started recording today, I've been a Christian for over 30 years, uh, and I think I am just now, the last few years, realizing just how diverse the first 12 disciples were. We talked about that over the last year or two here at Colonial, uh, and The Chosen specifically coming to life on the on the big screen has been helpful to me to just be reminded that you had blue-collar fishermen, and you had tax collectors, and you had zealots who wanted to overthrow with violence, uh, and you had people who were connected to the Pharisees. You had, you had all these different people right. groups in the same little band that Jesus come, says, come follow me together, mm-hmm. and they did. hmm and, and they probably, as The Chosen kind of kind of represents, probably had some moments looking at each other like, what in the world? How are we even camping together? How are we traveling together? But, but we don't read a lot. We read a whole lot more of them partnering yeah. in the work and all being attracted to right. Jesus together. And, and well, then that go, you come it goes, to... It goes back to our context. Like when we don't understand the context, we, we don't assume. miss all of that. Yeah. Just two, the same way. We think it was all these... Everybody looked like Peter. <laughs> and they all got together. And I'm just they were old I'm, and had I'm realizing no, they're they're coming from Rome. They're mm. coming from from the island of Crete. They're coming from Africa. They're they're coming from all over. Well, even Rome being the center of the known,
0: you know, the the, yeah. the main chunk of like that's a metropolitan. That's right. not like right. oh everybody's the same. Right. Rome as a conquering empire is bringing people from all over the world
1: yep, as no they're doubt. conquering things. So and it's that's, not even just here's the group of people that and are all together. Christianity exploded there. Yeah. You know well but
0: that's I mean that's one of the things that that really stands out to me is the early church and the inclusiveness um you know with the diversity as you talked as you just said you know like the, the first 12 and then the rest of the church or like that those what would say three thousand right um from that day and another couple thousand a couple days later like these are all these are not the same people and then to have it all together it makes me think about like the included women that's a big deal big deal That we then and we then,
1: gloss over because it's it doesn't feel like a big deal to us. Right. Right. Because you know? it's
0: not it's not weird now. Right. You know? But but back then it was, yeah, that was it was not done it was crazy the, the fact that that jesus took time to speak to women or that he included them in his circle the revolutionary is aspect of, of nuts. his
1: his influence is lost on us a lot but you then
0: know? you can look at the then you look at the rest of the uh, you know it, it, kind of the history as uh, you know beyond sorry beyond the bible of 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 some of the things that the early church did and they created hospitals they were called atheists because they didn't believe in all these other gods and they didn't you know they created hospitals to care for the sick that the people that the Roman Empire was like, yeah, we just shun them and push them away. But these people all of a sudden care about them, yeah. and they're taken care of. They care about the. They they create orphanages like that. All came from the church. Like yeah. that's insane. Like it's so commonplace for those things like hospitals. Like you don't have to think about it. Well, why are they all? Why are they all called Mercy Hospital? And right. you know they're like so many hospitals are named that. But it's like that. That's the craziness of the early church and how inclusive it was. That it,
1: and it certainly speaks. It's easy you to know, gloss over. I know. I mentioned my experience growing up in Germany and, and connecting with so many different kinds of Christians that right. was a gift to me. Uh, but I, it's, it's, I'll, I'll, I'll give a different example is, you know, I, have alluded to the fact uh, both, both on stage and here in the podcast that, that we really want to connect with other church leaders here in Wichita Falls. We want to, we really believe that, that uh, central to our mission of making disciples is uniting, the church of the city in some tangible ways. And to that end, um, both of us, uh, are trying to connect with other pastors here, Right. I can just tell you, it's not work for me, like right. in yeah. light of what we're saying, yeah. like to sit down with the, um, Orthodox, any Antio- Antiochian church pastor, who's got his, you know, <laughs> he's got his black with his white collar on and he's, he's stiff and, and he speaks with much more, uh, a, a bigger vocabulary, I'll say it that way. <laughs> he, he uses multi-syllabic words, you know. Um, and then to sit down the next day with someone from, you know, Mercy Church, I mentioned last week, and to sit down with someone from First Baptist, sit down with someone from, from First Presbyterian with different theologies and different even different styles of worship. Sure. And it takes me about two seconds to love them. Yeah, because they love Jesus. Mm -hmm. We start, we just start talking about what we have in common and the kingdom. And it's more fun for me than hanging out with anybody else. And it's not just, it's not because they're pastors. It's because I'm stepping out of my little camp and I'm interacting with Christians, um, that the depth of connection we have is just, it's what, it's what makes sense to me. I I read a quote from Martin Lloyd-Jones, where, yeah, I was
0: about to say, I couldn't remember the guy's I name. I loved it. Yeah.
1: He, he's he's a longtime British pastor, theologian. He said, I realized I would rather talk about the Lord all day with the humblest old fisherwoman than to sit at a club with my social peers in the company of the highest circles who don't know him. Hmm. And I just, I resonate. It, or that's not the right word to say. It resonates with me. I, I love it. I love it. It makes, it's my experience for sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, just
0: to think about, you know, and then as this diverse group of people, they shared everything they had and they, with each other, and then they took care of all the needs. Like Mm. they came together and I mean, even implied in that is realizing uh, the needs of people that don't look like you, that don't sound like you, that don't dress like you, that don't eat like you and don't live on the same block. And, but they, but that's what they did. They were a diverse group of people that came together and said,
1: well, what are we looking at? Okay. Here's what's going on and and they didn't do it so that something will happen right I think it's important they didn't I don't even know if I touched on that yesterday, but they didn't they didn't meet these needs so that they would join their club yeah <laughs> you right. know they oh, didn't man. they didn't love these people so they would be a part of what they're doing yeah no it just it was an overflow mm-hmm. of the love they had they they were experiencing being loved by God yeah and redeemed and so all they could do they were compelled to, to love and to share. And, um, that's my experience too, is uh, I can be as self-serving as the next person in my, in moments. But for the most part, I love watching God just convict me to share and to give and with, without a, an agenda, you know, because Mm. it just, it's what we're made for. Yeah, for sure. To that end, um, there's been some things going on in the world, uh, (laughs) just on, a few. on multiple fronts that have broken our hearts and our elders have been talking about and praying about, uh, and then you as our pastor of city and global engagement, just leading, leading the way for us as a church outside the walls. Um, I, I'd love for you to share, especially for all of our listeners who, who weren't with us this weekend right. and are catching up. I'd love for you to share, uh, just what we're what we're trying to do, uh, just very intentionally this week, sure, with some financial uh, generosity.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, as you as you alluded to there, and we talk about, we've talked about uh, um, Afghanistan, obviously, with sitting down with uh, uh, with with Brett and Wayne and and uh, the, their their perspectives on what's going on there, um, Haiti coming off of uh, coming off of the political. Um, turmoil after their president is assassinated followed by a 7.2 earthquake that just rocks just you a, know that the country stuff that again that country has gone through the I last year is overwhelming and yeah. then and then i was actually i was reading so it was like so the president was assassinated which is already going to cause issues then you have a 7.2 earthquake again right it's not uh, not port au prince but um uh, uh, uh les caius i believe is what it is and then uh and then they're followed by a tropical depression storm grace i think that that's a terrible name
1: for it oh my goodness who names a storm a i destructive know. storm grace, grace that's right terrible.
0: that's the worst so you literally have a, an assassination a massive earthquake and then you're followed by this massive storm that comes in and is just flooding everything like mm. it's just chaos it's right? awful and so, obviously, and we know about Afghanistan with with the people that are still stuck there, with thousands and thousands of, of uh, people that are just clawing their way trying to get out of the country. Those that have already made it out, and many longtime allies of ours, still that, left behind. Yeah. Um, and then, and then you have, and then you have Louisiana, where uh, you know we ooh. had, well, gosh, what was it? Was it sixteen years? Um, sixteen years to the day, and uh, we have another.
1: Um, another hurricane, Hurricane mm-hmm. Ida, uh, 16 years of the day of, of Katrina, I believe. See, if I can be this shallow and silly, yes. Ida is a much better name for a violent <laughs> storm that we we despise. They didn't call it, gra- I mean, what, what, just grace. Like, is, like, come on. If the next storm mercy? is like kindness, yeah, we're seriously. in trouble. You know?
0: Hurricane mercy coming through. Like, Sorry, I'm just, being flippant geez. in the
1: face of... A terrible, total, terrible Total, total
0: issues. Well, so, so you have, you as have Louisiana that is getting, getting Ooh, hammered pounded, again, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and to be 16 years to the day, I, I remember, um, I grew up in Oklahoma city, um, and tornado alley, and there was specific storm or specific tornadoes that came through and tore up, uh, more Oklahoma. And then it would be almost years, you know, two, three years to the date and it would happen again. And so the, the trauma that comes with having those same things happen again, and I can imagine 16 years. Uh, I mean, think about think about Wichita Falls. I mean, how many... W- you and I are both uh, new to Wichita Falls, if you will, over the past five, six years. Yeah. And how many times have you heard about the tornado oh, yeah. in 79? Yeah. Right? So we're talking 42 years ago was one, and we're still traumatized by that in yeah. the area. So 16 years, you recovery has very, happened. Very we're fresh. moving on, and it, and, and it all happens again. And so...
1: And even with the levees holding up, as far as I still know, right. it's been just... Devastating, And it's just bad. So there's, a, there's, I
0: think there was a million people without, um, without electricity, mm-hmm. um, which again, come back to Wichita falls. We experienced that earlier this year in what February when, uh, when we didn't have power for what, three days, four yeah. days. And there's, you know, it was rolling blackouts or whatever they, however they called it. And, and I just think about the ways that that was like, Oh my gosh, this is life altering right now. What are we going to do? And it was freezing cold but to have a million people now in a specific area that's getting hammered by a storm and now don't have power, they don't have a way to uh, I mean <laughs> think about all the food that you've lost and then and then all of the rain and everything so it's it's a big deal and I think I, I even skipped over this in Haiti um, with the with the earthquake alone, the death toll is at 2200 people. oh my goodness there's there's like 12,000 people injured and there's still hundreds of people missing yeah. You know their their transportation is shot. There's already gangs around around the island that cause that cause issues and security things. So it's just it, there's so much stuff that's going on in these three areas. And so that's that's kind of what we've done is said, all right, let's focus on these three areas and how can we as a church uh, work to make a difference. Um, Haiti is not taking people, so it's not like we can just load up a bus of of folks and. And uh drive to the airport and then fly down there because you can't just load up a bus and go to Haiti. That, that would was, be so American of us though. <laughs> that Let's go work. rescue. Right, exactly. You know? Right? We can do this. And and I, I understand I I've I've grown up and done, gone on this trip, sure, so I understand sure. the thought behind it, but they're not even accepting people, right? So you can't even do that. And so we've we've worked through um, trying to find some organizations that are that are already on the ground, that are already doing things, that are already Um, they've been there before they'll be there after, right? Exactly. They're not brand new. It's not, it's not crazy. It's not just, let's throw some money at something. Um, but, but they're doing it so specifically with Afghanistan, right? So I'll just kind of go and go, go down the line. So three different
1: fronts, we're going to partner with some folks, right?
0: So Afghanistan, um, as, as you, you, if, if, for those of you that want to pray about, um, specifically about Afghanistan, um, we need to pray for those people that are still stuck in the country. Um, that are are uh, that are in in harm's way still. Um, we need to pray for the underground church that cannot be above ground, if mm. you will, um, because they will be slaughtered yes. if they are. So and and it's not gone. It's just you can't do it. And so that was one of the difficulties is trying to figure out how do we support something that you can't tell anybody actually exists. We know it exists, but how do you, how you connect to it when, when you can't say, Hey, social media, Mm -hmm. I posted this on Facebook. You can support this church in, uh, in Kabul. Well, that doesn't work. Um, we need to pray for uh, the workers, the people that are there that are providing resources and safety. Any of our um, the, the the contractors or military, I guess they're all gone now at this point. But um, you know, everybody that's still left behind, the organizations that are still trying to do work in there, still risking their lives with yeah. the Taliban, and then all of those that are displaced. There's you know tens of thousands of Afghani's that are displaced and moving literally all over the world. Right. You know we have thousands of them that are coming to the United States specifically. Um, I think there was I think the number was like 574 or something that are uh, that are headed to Dallas mm. and then they'll be um, they literally land and then and then move. so I, I and, learned, and I learned clear, so much this week. To be but, clear,
1: I, I've learned a lot too. These are not migrant workers. These are not folks swimming right. a river. These are these are vetted refugees um, that have gone through a bunch of hoops uh, already. These are, these are people that have already been Mm -hmm. fighting with us against the Taliban. I learned a lot. They have to be, they have to be vetted in order to be able to do that anyway. I I think that flies in the face of a lot of the fear around us of, oh, we're just bringing in a bunch of, you know, Muslims or, or people that we can't, we can't know who they are. And I, I learned a lot from some smart people this past week about the, the, The links people have to go through to become refugees in our country. Yeah. Not easy. No. And, and the percentage compared to the number of folks coming over the wall, so to speak every day Mm. is, it's tiny. So, so we, we, can I interrupt you though? So at some point we may be involved in helping refugees, like in a tangible relational way. It's possible. We don't know what the future holds. We don't know what's going to happen in Wichita Falls, but, but I want, I want to tease that because right now we're talking about sending some funds. Right. And praying.
0: Yeah, well, and and one of the one of the phone calls I had was with with some people on the base um, just this past week. Of are there are there is there anybody coming here, and what do those needs look like? So yeah. how can we as a church help meet the needs of the people that are literally landing here? Don't speak English. Potentially, mm. they have nowhere to go. They're trying to find their families. They've come out of chaos, and then you land in a place that you don't know. Right. So so that's that's potential. We don't know that yet, but. Um, but we're still we're still hoping to you know if that happens, how can we be the church? How can we be the hands and feet of Jesus to to those people as well? Right. So we're looking at um, we're partnering with World Relief, um, which is an organization that is uh, their their goal is empowering the local church to serve the most vulnerable, and uh, they they work with some uh, with this with this alliance called the Integral Alliance, where they are um, with boots on the ground in Afghanistan in other places in the world and uh and so right now they're working to resettle people um they they told me that they are working to resettle as many people in the next 90 days as they have in the past three years wow because be only because of afghanistan like we're not talking about anything else this is literally just afghani people that are that they're trying to deal with it's it's um it costs ten thousand dollars for a family of four to be resettled in the United States because And that's just the first ninety days. And that's only for the Yeah, right. Sorry, that's yeah. that's just, just for the that first ninety days. And, and that's talking about legal services, um, English as a second language classes, family reunification, trying to find your family, housing. Some of them have family mm. already in the United States, so trying to get them to those places, housing for these people, um, medical care that they're going to need. Some of them have a, uh, a status that actually the, the SIV, it's the uh, special immigrant visa, that allows them to get some... Um, some assistance from the government, but according to world relief, that's not enough for it's, it's like a third of what they need to, to be able to survive in this new place. And, uh, and then there's other people that are also coming that, um, they don't have the SIV status. They are not getting any assistance from the government. They can't work a job. And so that's what world relief is doing it, locally here is trying to figure out like, how do we take care of these people that are
1: now displaced, um, because of what's going on mm. in Afghanistan. and I am excited with, with everything I've read about World Relief and, and a few like-minded uh, Christian leaders that have recommended World Relief. I like seeing how, how local they are. Yeah, um, it's not sending a bunch of us to them. <laughs> it's right. empowering people that are there. Right, exactly. And I, and I love how much they want to partner and and really empower the local church. Yeah, even the underground church. Yeah, yeah. you know. And um, that's harder for them. That's harder to talk
0: about in those in that situation sure. specifically. But um, yeah. So th- so then let's let's move forward to to Haiti, right? So we talked about there's assassination. You got the massive earthquake. You got the tropical depression coming in, causing flooding. So with Two two thousand people plus that that have died from this, twelve thousand people that are injured and hundreds missing, right? So you think about all of the medical issues that are happening, the trauma that's happening from mm. uh, from the people that have lost loved ones. yeah. Um, the safety of the Haitians that are there now, right? The safety of the people that are trying to work for them. The church that's on the ground, um, specifically to, to your point with World Relief, that was one of the ones that they can be upfront about and say out loud, we are working with the local church because the local church is uh, not just meeting immediate needs, but is a lot of the hope for uh, long-term recovery and uh so and and then obviously the people that are providing resources and stability there on the ground and so world relief is actually in les caius which is where the uh the 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 main chunk of this earthquake destroyed it's one of the poorest uh parts of of haiti um just 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 to uh to to prove that like right there we're talking about ten thousand dollars for a an afghani family of four to to resettle in the united states it costs $120 for a family in Haiti to get a, get a response kit, um, which is like, like, uh, uh, we're talking about food. We're talking about, um, hygiene, shower kits, sheets for beds, um, and temporary housing, 120 bucks, 10 grand. If you're in the United, if you, you're resettling in the United States, like that's insane. Yeah. 120 bucks. And, um, And so they're working in this, they're working to meet short term, uh, the short term needs, which obviously is, is the immediate like, oh my gosh, I need food, I don't have a place to stay, I can't get out of the rain. Um, I need a bed those kinds of things the the, the hygiene side of things taking care of families um, and then working with churches and supporting the local church and how and so it, it get back getting again back to your point like it's not just let's just ship them some money or let's just ship some some uh, uh, some Americans in to fix the problem, but how do we support the uh, the the churches the people the we've, you know the person of peace if you want to get to that that hmm. that is already working in that community and supporting those people rather than just saying hey I'm the I'm the cool person that has the funds so I'll come help you and then buy I'm gone right so so World Relief is is working there as well and and like transportation is difficult um, because it was, it was a massive earthquake that destroyed everything you know there's thousands of homes that are just gone, right? The roads are messed up. So transporting anything, if you're in Les Caius, you don't have anything because everything's destroyed, everything's messed up. Um, so things have to be shipped in or have to be uh, driven in from, uh, from Port-au-Prince. But, you, but that's difficult because you can't get through everything, like not all the roads work. And then you talk about the safety of, um, of the people there, of, uh, of, of people that are in uh, t- trying to to help in that in that area when you have you know we we know this from um, from any other place that it happens when something like that happens looting occurs like everybody's everybody's yeah. worried about me yeah and uh and so you start to try to take care of your own at the expense of other people and obviously that's not everybody because there are tons of people that just dive in to help their neighbors as we've seen in the united states a million times you know over and over when we have these tragedies happen everybody you know there are people that loot and there are people that jump in and help their neighbors and right so there's so there's the safety concerns there in in las Cayas as well so um so, yeah, World Relief is working there. Then Louisiana, um, you know, with, with the hurricane, with a million people out of power, um, you got displaced people all over again. Yep. Um, people that can't find their families, that can't connect to them. You don't have power. You can't, I mean, just think about how much we use our cell phones. You can't charge your cell phone, right? It's going to last maybe, maybe two days if you're lucky and you sparingly use it. And then how long is this going to, you know, how long is it going to take for us to get to those people? And... Um, so obviously, we need to pray for the safety and the health of the people that are directly affected. Um, we have uh, pray for the people that have that have lost power, the people that are displaced, um, and so we're partnering with a local organization there that's actually in Lafayette, um, which is which is uh, let me get my directions right east, uh, west, excuse me, west of um, uh, of New Orleans, okay. and they're in the middle of all of it, and uh, you know, providing meals um, meeting the immediate needs of the people that are displaced and, uh, connecting them with resources, working on long-term recovery, their boots on the ground there in the, in the area. And, uh, you know, and so if you, if you think about those three areas, um, you know, Afghanistan, we have the military connection here in in Wichita Falls. We have the base.
1: That that strikes home for a lot of people in our community, people who served over there, befriended Afghans.
0: Um, and so to watch that happen and you can't do anything about it, you're not involved in it. There's nothing we can do other than watch in horror and pray. Yes. Um, so this is another way that we can, that we can reach out and give us, give us another option. Yep. Um, you got Haiti. We have we've had uh, groups from um, from colonial that have taken trips to Haiti in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, we have you know our, our uh, Caribbean students here at MSU with yep. a big uh, Caribbean population. It's a sizable Caribbean population
1: yep. at, at uh, MSU.
0: And, uh, and Louisiana where we have, we've got colonial connections and family that are in the area. Yep. We've, we've got people that have worked in hurricane relief in the past. And then again, again, to see it happen again in the same, right. you know, not exactly the same way, but yep. in same similar areas yep. with same kind of devastation. Well, it was the, uh, the fifth, the fifth largest storm
1: to ever hit. Fifth most destructive. Or most destructive. Is what they were saying. Yeah. Yeah. So. You're so, right. It's, it's hitting, it's hitting on all three fronts that in some ways I think touch yeah. everybody in our community. Yeah, that that's where I want to jump in and just say, that's where our elders have come from. Our elders met this past week and, um, we realized that some of our people may have a heart for what's going on in Louisiana sure. and Afghanistan's not really on their brain or vice versa right. uh, or, or obviously with Haiti. And so I guess I'll tee it up for you. We have decided if you weren't there this weekend, uh, we have decided that later this week we are going to send uh, a bucket of money mm-hmm. to each of these three, uh, efforts. Uh, we're just going to go one third, one third, one third. Um, and if I can go ahead and just sure, if, go for tell it. me if I'm saying it accurately. <laughs> um, but we are matching every dollar given up to 10, uh, up to $10,000. We've yep. got a, we've got what we call our outside the walls fund. Mm-hmm. The money's already there. Uh, it's been given to meet the needs of the least of these and to, to, Advance the kingdom outside the walls of the church. And so our elders have just prayed about it. Uh, it's actually really cool when we talked and prayed about it. Cause we all came up with the same number without, hmm. without even uh, debating it. And, um, and so whatever, whatever our giving is specifically to our outside the walls fund this week, up to $10,000, we're going to match it and then split it three ways and and yeah. send it and, and pray hard and just know that we're, we're partnering with some great people. Yeah. And so, and so the outside the walls fund,
0: um, if you will, is, is, uh, is basically something that we've, we have there. You said, you said the money's already there. So it's not, it's not that, uh, that we're, we're, we're having to pull away from other ministry areas right. or anything like that. We literally use that fund. Um, specifically I get to use that fund for, For things around the city, Um, we're supporting a couple of missionaries um, across the world, and uh, you know that. So, so it's there, and this is literally what we use this money for, specifically when we get to these these kinds of, of of. of issues, these kinds of, of occurrences that now we have a way that right. say, okay, let's support some people that are boots on the ground, rather than uh, let's load up a truck and or or hop on a plane and go see what we can do. There are people that are literally already there. Right. Uh, I had a conversation with uh, with Daryl Brown um, yesterday about uh, specifically about um, uh, Haiti. Can I tell them who that is? Yeah, yeah, sorry.
1: If if any of you don't, a lot of you probably don't know who Daryl is. Daryl is a key leader here in Wichita Falls. He is what the Baptists call the Director of Missions, Mm. which means he works with 60-plus Baptist churches in Wichita County, Archer County, and Clay County. And his primary role, and that includes us, his primary role is to resource us with opportunities, with uh, ideas, with direction on how we can be the church outside the walls. He does some other things too. He's a kind of a pastor to pastors, yeah. and he, he even helps our, our leadership team here. But yeah, Daryl is one of those go to guys for someone like you, right? To so find for options and opportunities for yeah. us, yeah.
0: But so so the the whole point was that that in the conversation he was telling me a story about when when they were loading up backpacks to take to I think he said, I think it was to the border, um, could have been Louisiana. It does it doesn't matter. The the story was that he they were. Putting these backpacks together that were relief packages that was you know uh, hygiene products and some some food and stuff like that and they were putting putting them all into backpacks and then taking them down there and he thought man I'm getting this I'm getting this great deal on these backpacks I'm spending like 950 per backpack like this is awesome only to find out that when he talked to the people down down that were in the area where they were headed they were like yeah we're, we're getting these backpacks for 250 like we've got this deal and so it was like instead of trying to gather the resources on our own to supply the the people that are actually that that have made the deals with you know you think about FEMA and Red Cross and yeah. uh, that are that that have those deals already in place that are able to get those things and in easier and more cost effective yeah. ways than we can. Yeah. So that's one of the ways. That's that's some something that we can do. Sometimes it doesn't feel like oh if I if I I'm gonna say this write a check um, or put some cash uh, so, you know I throw some cash at something or or swipe my credit card or whatever. But that you know it feels like oh man but I just didn't do anything I didn't. I didn't get to be a part of it. Like this is how we fund huge. the people this that is, are already on the ground. This is we call it boots on the ground. Yes. It is it is effective. Yes. And to, I mean, just think about like it t- cost ten thousand dollars to resettle into the United States for a family, and I, I can't I can't imagine being ripped away from everything we've ever known. Maybe missing family members. The fear of did they even get out? And then to be placed in a place that. I likely don't speak the language. I don't understand the customs. I have no idea how to grocery shop, you know, like all of these things, where do my kids go to school? Like everything is turned upside down. And so then to, um, you know, like that's,
1: that's just, it's just crazy. So I, I, am flashing back to, and I was granted. I was a young teenager, but I remember living in Europe, growing up in Stuttgart, Germany, and being a part of a small church there. And we would have groups come from the U S and they would come to quote unquote, help us. Hmm. And sometimes they would show up and we wouldn't know what to ask them to do. Uh, cause we didn't need <laughs> 15 people with some muscles, right. you know, yeah. or sometimes they'd come through, this is, this is gonna sound so punkish, but they'd come through like with their choir groups. And so we'd have a choir concert from some, you know, just awful local church choir from. Texas somewhere, <laughs> show up in Stuttgart, Germany. And I remember my dad just just in in the most probably sinful moments, you know, he was grateful for the heart of people wanting to help, but he's like, I just wish they'd send us money. Mm. Like we, we're already trying to do some things yeah. to minister to people here. We don't need another group coming through that really, really, can we be honest, they just want to see some castles and... Um, <laughs> it's a trip. And say they helped, you know? Yeah. And I think even the third world country trips that we've been a part of, you and I both can tell these stories of, right. okay, it was, it was more about exposure for us yeah. than it was yeah, us absolutely. really helping them. Right. If we can fund and empower some people that are there, that are locals, yeah. that get the culture, mm-hmm. that have relationships, that have influence in the community, and that have already prayed through and, and are wanting to make these choices that will impact people if we can empower them i just it's it's so yeah. writing a check feels so so small sometimes but it's huge so or disconnected or whatever so tangibly yes. how do people yes. who haven't yet cuz we're going to send the money out later this week it's it's just this week we're doing right. this right so you
0: only got a, you only got a few more days to do this but if you want to do that if you want to be a part of this with us you can go to colonialchurch.com/give and you can give through our giving option there and there is an a, a drop down list that you can change i think it defaults to tithes and offerings uh, but Which you to can, be
1: clear, that goes to the the general fund of the church. Right. Tithes and offerings the default.
0: And so you can change that drop down list to the outside the walls fund, and um, and then and then so that specifically takes that gift, gift yeah. right. That's a one time gift. Takes that gift to that specific fund. Um, you could do the same thing if you're in, in our app. You go to you just tap the uh, the yep. the give button at the bottom. And, uh, and you can do the same thing. You can do the same thing there. You could also go directly to the organizations. We can tag, we can tag some of those, yep. uh, those links in our, um, in our show
1: notes, um, today. But, uh, as we said, like. we're. But not, if you give to the church, just to be clear. Right. We're not keeping that money. We right. are matching every dollar up to 10,000. Right. So uh, specifically
0: anything that comes into the, uh, to the outside the walls fund. Is this week will be will be matched from our outside the walls fund that's already there and yep. donated to uh, to these organizations to yep. these specific and and not just to the organizations but to these specific um, to these specific relief areas yes. and, and these specific
1: uh, I- initiatives right Haiti and Louisiana so
0: it's not just the general fund as right. you, as you talked about uh, it's not just the general fund of these places of like hey it's World Relief's general fund and it 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 goes to uh, administration and um, uh, uh, promotion, all those kinds of things. This is specifically giving to those areas, um, to, uh, Afghanistan, to, um, the, uh, the, the Southern part of Louisiana and to, uh, uh, Les Caius, um, in Haiti. So, so yeah. Um, if you, uh, you jump in there with us, we're going to, we're going to match that and we're going to send that out this
1: week. And-, and, and can I, can I be this transparent? Um, our church is not doing well financially. Um, our attendance has been down, as as almost every church I know because of the pandemic. Our giving has been down. Uh, we've got a lot of folks, a lot of our listeners, I'm sure, that are giving sacrificially, giving faithfully, uh, but it's a it's a hard time for the church at large in America and in Texas. It's a hard time for Colonial financially, and our elders have not taken this decision lightly, mm. that just like for me personally, the, the Joneses... Cannot be generous only when we've got extra. Yeah. The Joneses cannot be generous only when, uh, we think it'll work. Mm. Uh, the Joneses can't, can't give, um, only when, when, uh, we can pay the bills as, as crazy as that sounds. Uh, We're supposed to give first. We're supposed to live with our hands open. That's part of what we, to tie it back to Acts chapter 2, that's what the the early church models for us. And so our elders just said, you know what, this is is probably going to impact our giving. I'll say it again, make this above and beyond what you normally give to the church. Give sacrificially toward this end, and let's all just trust that God is going to take care of us. God's going to take care of our families. God's going to take care of our church. He owns it all already. <laughs> I have to remind myself that every day. Mm. Uh, and let's give sacrificially. I I triple dog dare you to give what you normally give to the church, maybe even more, and turn around and give to the Outside the Walls Fund so we can celebrate and double it and send off some some effective help to people.
0: Yeah. And, and on top of that, um, I actually got an email, uh, this morning, um, from world relief as they are, uh, they are looking for, for some things that are going on. They're working with some other things, um, but they are actually doubling, uh, or or not doubling, but they, they have somebody that's matching the gifts that are going to Haiti specifically specifically. Oh, wow. So well, so it's going to be quadrupled. So, right. So that money, <laughs> that money that's given it,
1: it, at least that one, specifically third to Haiti, it's going to go to Haiti is right. going to be quadrupled,
0: right. It's already, it's already going to be, uh, that is going, fantastic. To be, going to be, uh, going to be doubled again. So, um, so that's, that's just a really cool thing that, um,
1: and to be know, clear, we're only doing this more, this makes week, even more fun. We're only doing this this week. Um, pray about it. Uh, I, I encourage you to, to talk to your spouse or your significant other, uh, Maybe, maybe choose something you're going to, you're going to go without mm. this fall. So you can make a, a, a good contribution. And I, I believe we'll probably send out our money on our, our Friday of the week is Thursday. Thursday so don't put it off this week. Yeah. You know, give up that pumpkin spice latte that, uh, it'll come back next year. and You know, if you add up all the pumpkin spice lattes that some of our listeners are going to drink over the next <laughs> six months or four months or whatever <laughs> it is. It may be a and lot, you dub- a lot of money, and then you
0: double it with outside the walls, and then you double it. with... I have the my meat, own the Starbucks
1: <laughs> addiction, and uh, my <laughs> wife has reminded me how much that adds up to be. I know. Okay, okay. I've talked uh, probably more than I've talked on on any of our podcasts so far. You get Brooke talking about needs in I the know. world and people hurting and people that don't know Jesus, and uh, he just opens up, man. Uh, that's crazy.
0: Um, okay, we got to pause this conversation. We'll be uh, we'll be back next next week. Um, Anything else you want to talk about, Lauren, Before we before we wrap this sucker up, what can we expect next week? Those kinds of things.
1: Just want to remind everybody: let's uh, let's be students of Scripture. Um, don't wait for some bozo like me to provide all the the teaching or or listening intently that we want to do to the Lord. Be uh, re- read read dead people, <laughs> uh, and more than anything, read the Scriptures. And so Acts, I would say, chapter one, two, three. Again this week, read the first three chapters of Acts and really ask the Lord to to teach and convict. Let's do that together.
0: All right. Well, thank you guys for listening. We uh, will wrap this up. We'll come back next week. This has been the E6 podcast from Colonial Church. You can always get more information from Col- about Colonial at ColonialChurch.com. If you want to give as a part of this, you can go to ColonialChurch.com slash give, or you can jump in the app. Um, we also have an app, so you can go to the App Store or the Google Play Store. You can get more information about us there. Um, we'd love to hear from us. send us your, con- uh, your your questions. Man, I just I'm just ruining the end of this. It's awesome. I love it. Um, you can send us your questions. You can send us your feedback to podcast at colonialchurch.com. And uh, we will pick it up again next week. And happy Labor Day, everybody.